Hi, I'm Grant Armstrong, and I get to serve as directing pastor here at St. John's United Methodist Church in Edwardsville, Illinois. We exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Our desire is to be a beacon of faith and service, focusing our passions and gifts to reflect Christ's love to the world. You are invited to join us each week at 9 a.m. for a time of traditional worship or at 11 a.m. for contemporary worship. Thanks for joining us for this online version of the sermon. This morning's scripture is from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 44. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. Then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools! Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk through the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field, People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A young, ambitious actor makes his way to Los Angeles and begins looking for work as an actor, checking out auditions and things like that. But because it's a saturated marketplace, of course, he's having a difficult time finding a gig. He's looking through auditions when all of a sudden he runs across an ad that is calling for actors. And the address he finds is connected to the local zoo. And so when he shows up, the zookeeper describes how they've had a beloved ape for quite some time and that ape has unexpectedly passed. Thinking that the public will be absolutely crushed by the loss, he decided he wanted to hire an actor to come and portray the role of this beloved ape in the habitat. And all the actor would need to do is to wear an ape costume and pretend he's an ape during the opening hours of the zoo and then he would collect his paycheck. Well, the actor thought it was ridiculous who would believe such a thing, but the pay was going to be steady and it would be a test of his acting chops. So he took the job. And at first, he was a little embarrassed by the whole gig. So he's just sitting around in the habitat. But after a couple of days of doing that, just sitting lazily in the shade, he decides he's going to walk around a little bit to get to know his environment a little bit better, of course. And as he does, he notices that the zoo patrons are watching his every move, just hanging on his movement. So he decides he's going to play it up a little bit. He starts grunting, and then there's a little arm waving. And after a couple of weeks, he's doing the sorts of things that he imagines a gorilla would do, like dancing around as a gorilla might, heaven knows what that looks like, and starting to swing around a little bit, making all sorts of grunts and noises. One day, he notices that there are some young kids who are specifically enthusiastic about what he's doing. And so he's going to show off a little bit. He gets on a branch, and he starts swinging around, and he loses his grip on the branch, flies over the wall of the habitat, and lands in another habitat. Once he comes to, does a little assessment, and finds out that he is physically okay, he recognizes that the habitat he lands in is the lion habitat. 
The lion was lying over in the shade and notices the gorilla has landed there, gets up and starts prowling towards the gorilla, and the actor starts to realize the peril of his situation. He backs himself into a corner, and once he realizes that he's out of real estate, the lion is getting closer and closer. The actor in the gorilla suit starts screaming out with no other options, help, help. The lion comes close to the actor's face, gets right up to his ear and says, shut up, fool, you're going to get us both fired. Costumes may work for a little while. The coverings and outer appearances may function for a bit. But at a certain point, what is inside of us is going to be revealed. During this series, we've taken a look at preparation, hospitality, invitation, feeding, and now we're looking at doing the dishes. It's part of dinner time. Why is doing dishes important? Well, because unless you're throwing away your dishes or eating off of putrid, nasty food, you're going to want clean plates. Paper plates are, of course, the exception. You can probably dispose or recycle them, but they're not dishwasher safe, most of them. Most paper plates just disintegrate in the dishwasher, probably. Not the focus today. I was getting a plastic travel mug for some coffee the other day, not one of my metal ones that tend to be more resistant to such things. But when I looked inside, there was a nice little pocket of mold in the corner of the cup. It went through the dishwasher, but something must have covered that section up. It looked plenty clear on the outside, and I'm sure whoever put it away thought it looked just fine, but it stayed nasty up in there, and so, of course, I did not use it. Maybe that mold contained the cure for countless different diseases right now, but I was not going to be the test subject. The outside of the mug looked fine, but that cup needed to be really cleaned on the inside before I would want anything out of it. When we encounter Jesus here, he's in the midst of teaching the Sermon on the Mount in Luke's telling of the Gospel. This is the center of Jesus' message. He's driving home the point in the Sermon on the Mount that it's not about how religious we appear to be, but how much we depend upon the Lord that reveals the condition of our hearts. Jesus is basically telling folks, so you've never committed adultery. That's great. But have you ever held lust in your heart? Sorry, it's the same thing. You've never murdered someone. Neat. But have you ever harbored hatred? Or called someone a fool. Yeah, you're a killer underneath. It's not just outward appearances, but the condition of our hearts that truly matters. And again, as we've discovered in previous weeks, Jesus was experiencing a bit of superstardom when he was sharing this teaching. And so a Pharisee, probably somebody who wanted to be the envy of all of his friends by having Jesus come over, invited him to a meal. Like during the parable of the great banquet from a couple of weeks ago, that's when Jesus begins to meddle. And that leads to our first lesson this morning. Jesus will break human traditions for the sake of the lesson. Jesus will break human traditions for the sake of the lesson. As Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So he went in and took his place at the table. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish custom. I love hand sanitizer. In the world that existed before COVID-19, I was definitely a handshaker, like politician levels of handshaking. I enjoy connecting with people, but I don't like being sick or making other people sick. 
And from a sensory perspective, I really enjoy sanitizer for the cool feeling and even the smell of it. But when I was doing hospital chaplaincy, we had to gel in and gel out of every room. And when they were training us in infection control, they spoke about having to do that like it was some kind of burden. And inside, I was like, you are normalizing my OCD. Thank you. Now, I keep a cup holder size container of sanitizer in my console of my car. I'm not quite ready to start wearing fanny packs at this stage of my life, but if I did, you can bet when I reach that stage of fashion do not care, my pack will definitely be packing some hand sanitizer. In so many situations, where we've been asked to be mindful of our sanitizing habits, things like washing hands and sanitizing, I'm not washing my hands and sanitizing because I have to. I do it for the benefit of myself and the others with whom I interact. If our hands are dirty, we've just got to wash them. So this hosting Pharisee just saw Jesus teaching and preaching, commanding these great crowds of people, and in the midst of all that, exercising a demon. And then he went straight to eating without washing his hands. It's not just that it's against the traditions of ceremonial hand washing before meals. I'm sure the hosts and the guests were like, ugh, gross. But then, even while dining together with Jesus, these folks who had been either in tension or conflict with Jesus from time to time, they took it as an opportunity to discredit him. He clearly doesn't understand the traditions of our religion. He clearly doesn't have the authority to attract these crowds, so let's call him out. And they did. I think they were very quickly sorry. See, many of their traditions were born out of other human beings, and many faulty human beings, just like them. They treated these traditions like they were handed down from God himself, but really it's just the way that they decided to do things a little while back. Jesus is simply not bound to that. Hear that. Jesus is not at all bound to the stuff that human beings decided would be the way we were going to do things a little while back. Jesus took it back to Scripture. He took his response and teaching back to the Word. He broke the human tradition for the scriptural lesson. See, these folks may have fallen away from a scriptural faith. They weren't lacking for guidelines. But if we check their hearts, we might find that these people in places of power were hoping their traditions would prop up their influence, comforts, and authority. And it had been working out for them quite all right until Jesus came along. Composer Gustav Moeller once stated, Tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. Tradition is not the worship of ashes, but the preservation of fire. A fire. These Pharisees were deeply interested and invested in keeping their positions of kings and rulers of a great mountain of ashes. But Jesus came to spread fire. He still does. Our second lesson is this. Just because we look polished doesn't mean we're clean. Just because we look polished doesn't mean we're clean. Then the Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. 
I remember seeing my friend's infant daughter for the very first time. She was so sweet. She had that lovely little baby face. She was all dolled up in a cute little outfit that parents put on their children when they're first showing them off to all their friends. This little girl was a miracle. The family spent a whole lot of time in the NICU. She fought hard for life, and she was adorable. I remember I got to hold her for the first time, and I looked down at this precious, miraculous little girl, so innocent, so fragile. And then she scrunched her face at me. That face turned beet red, and she promptly and thoroughly filled her diaper. Filled. I mean, I'm not trying to take it personally, like maybe it's a sign of comfort and friendship in her culture. Folks, we can get dressed up for a little while. We can cover up for a bit. We can be downright charming, but all of us have something that needs changing, like that precious little miracle's diaper. And when we pretend we don't, the evidence of our need for change doesn't just disappear, does it? What ends up happening is that more and more people in the room catch a whiff of what's going on underneath the surface and start to realize exactly what we're packing as time goes on. If you've been following the news lately, maybe you've also seen a few famous religious leaders topple from their pedestals lately. I believe that happens partly because people don't belong on pedestals in general and partly because people of faith have a tendency to become more enamored with appearance and privilege and influence than health and spiritual maturity. Do you notice that Jesus' brushes with earthly power usually resulted in those earthly powers wanting to use, sideline, or execute him? Why do we keep trying to imagine that these perpetual pursuits of appearance, privilege, and influence will bring the kind of good for us that God intends? So often we just end up with a mess. The Pharisees in this passage were enamored with appearances, privilege, and influence. They wanted to look in charge and together. Man is an Enneagram 3. I get that. But my desire to be well-perceived doesn't cure the things that are wrong inside. If it weren't for the friends who walk me through the stuff that needs fixing in my heart and the people who teach me towards transformation, I may experience the generous nature of God's forgiveness, but I would never experience the powerful gift of God moving me out of those messes. God doesn't want us living in mess. Not in selfishness, not in sin, not in cynical, critical toxicity, not in the dark prison of our shame. God wants to wash our hearts. Our God loves us so much right where we are, but God loves us too much to leave us in our messes. Jesus is willing to step into that mess and change us to wash our dishes from the inside out. My third lesson this morning is that obedience is complete when it's also in our hearts. Obedience is complete when it's also in our hearts. Jesus continues teaching what sorrow awaits you, Pharisees. For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you, for you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they're stepping on. British theological author G.K. Chesterton once wrote, The word good has many meanings. For example, 
If a man were to shoot his grandmother at a range of 500 yards, I would call him a good shot, but not necessarily a good man. These Pharisees who were criticizing Jesus were good at acting religious and pious, but it didn't make them good. They strictly followed their own guidelines, customs, and manners. They didn't humble themselves. They didn't sacrifice. They offered more heat than light. And in short, it's like they didn't love. Jesus says to tithe, he's saying this particular example, to do the thing that Scripture commands, but especially to love. To uphold scriptural standards, be sanctified, grow in obedience, let your life reflect the trust you have for your Lord, but for the foundation of all that, there must be love. What does that look like? I think it looks a lot more like blessing than cursing, more like encouragement than criticism, more like mercy than judgment. It looks more like cooperation than competition. It looks more like forgiveness than rage. It looks more like generosity than greed. It looks more like listening than yelling. It looks more like hope than despair, more like justice than oppression, more like peace than anxiety. It looks more like Jesus. And it looks more like that because that's exactly what's happening inside the heart of a Christian. It's not an act. It's a new nature that's living and developing inside of us. Or it's not, but the act can't hold up forever. The dishwasher in the parsonage has a light that indicates when the dishes are clean. It stays lit for a while. If we turn on the dishwasher before bed, it will still be shining in the morning. Sometimes it's still shining after we put the clean dishes away, at which point that indicator is not together totally helpful. In order to see if what's inside is clean, what do I need to do? I need to open it up to see what's inside. Let's ask God to do that for us. Maybe we've got something shiny on the outside that says that we're clean. But God wants to shine a light within us so that our thoughts, our spirits, and our hearts can be purified and remade as good as new. Because when our hearts are right, when those good things are within us, the light of Christ is within us, and it's going to shine through. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, search our hearts. Know us completely. Shine your light within us. God, you have given us the knowledge to know how it is that we are supposed to be. And yet, so often we put that on as an outward act. Lord, make it our, our very nature to be filled with compassion and love, to be reformed into the likeness of Christ so that we are people of integrity. God, we ask that you would help us to submit and follow more fully, more faithfully, for your glory. Lord, may we find our peace in you. May we find our identity in you. May we find our hope and joy in the promise of life in you and the promise of life that is true and abundant and eternal. We offer ourselves for all these things and for your kingdom's sake. Because as our lives are transformed from the inside out, the world around us is changed as well. We thank you for that great gift, for the honor of being able to follow after you in these ways. Lord, in our transformation, let us be gracious with one another so that 
when we encounter others in whom you are doing this work, we would find your kindness to encourage, to help to lift up, and to not judge and criticize. We offer all of this to you in the hope of Christ. Amen.